Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for spending your most valuable resource, your time with me in another episode of Cashflow Ninja. We have updated uh, and relaunched our website. Our new website is up at cashflowninja.com. All of our uh, community resources is available there. There's some really cool new features and some trainings and webinars. You, um, we put a whole training together of how you can create a strategy. A lot of you have reached out to us and we've listened. So there's a training on there, how to put together a strategy. There's a free course that we put together on how to be the bank. Of course, we all want to be the bank. You can go ahead and learn how you can do it right there. And then there's also access to our newly launched community, the Cashflow Ninja Vault. You can uh, access the Cashflow Ninja Vault and all of the episodes, community resources, and everything Cashflow Ninja at CashflowNinja.com. In today's episode, I'm joined by Rachel Jensen from ECI Development. Rachel, as always, a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, MC. It's a pleasure to be on again. Yeah, great to connect. Um, interesting time <laughs> in the world right now. For folks that's not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with them? Sure. So my name is Rachel Jensen, as MC mentioned. I took an interesting path in life. I went to college originally anticipating to be a doctor, went through all those pre-med classes, and about the time towards graduation, I realized it's not quite what I wanted to do anymore. So I signed up for the Peace Corps, got placed to teach English in Panama, and then in between the time of graduating and going to the Peace Corps, I ended up getting an internship in Nicaragua with a real estate developer. And it was only supposed to be a few months. I had no experience in real estate development, no experience in the business world or economics or anything along those lines, but decided I really wanted to go to Latin America and, and live down there for a little bit. So towards the end of the internship, I ultimately made the decision to stay with the developer. And I've been with them for coming up to eight years at this point. And it's been an incredible journey. I lived in Nicaragua for a while and then segued over to Belize. I was going back and forth quite a bit and really fell in love with Belize and the country and the culture there. So San Pedro is currently my home base. It's where I come back to after travels and conferences and whatnot. And I've had a really great experience there as an expat. And during the past eight years that we've been with ECI Development, uh, we put a lot of focus on really developing real estate and agricultural products that North Americans may be interested in, whether real estate from relocation purposes or for investment purposes, and then agriculture, of course, for investment. So we've seen a lot of opportunities become available, a lot of folks wanting to take advantage of the different opportunities. And it's been neat to be able to serve people, to be able to help people accomplish their international dreams. Because I know, especially coming in as somebody who may have never invested overseas before, it can be a little daunting, it can be a little bit scary, but there are a tremendous amount of resources. And of course, I'm happy to talk to you about it a little bit more in depth. Absolutely. Always, always excited to have you on. And one of the questions I'm asked quite a bit, especially during this time is, you know, the world has been a little bit crazy this year, a little bit volatile. Um, and they're asking like, MC, what are some of the things that 
you know, sustain itself that did well during this time? Like, can you share some more examples of things? Because I've shared um, in previous episode how our strategy based around the infinite banking concept with overfunded life insurance, as well as uh, life settlement investments have been pretty strong throughout this time. There's another clause an asset class of investments that have actually done pretty well during this time as well. And that's in the ag agricultural space. So Rachel, if you don't mind sharing just a little bit about agriculture in general and where lumber and more specifically teak fits into this. Yes, absolutely. And MC, you are exactly right that it is a crazy time right now. And we have had a lot of folks reaching out and just looking for safe ways to invest exactly like you mentioned, because we've seen the stock market go up and down. And you know we know that unemployment is at a record high right now, but we talked about this a little bit earlier in the stock market somehow goes up. Um, we, we don't necessarily want to put all of our eggs in one basket, as they say. So one of our most popular options and opportunities for investment, at least over the past couple months, but of course, over the past eight years that we've been offering this is ownership of Timberland, specifically Teak. And why we're finding that it's so popular is because people want to be able to, 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 to see where they're putting their money. They want to know that it's going to be safe, that despite what's going on in the world, that it's going to continue to grow in value and they're not going to lose that initial investment that they put in. So we've seen that timber is a very popular opportunity for people because they feel secure with it. There's been a huge history on on timber, specifically teak. It's been around for centuries. We're able to follow that market. We've seen what's happened to it during recessions. Not much because it's a luxury product and luxury products typically don't dip during times like this. But we've seen that it's a great place for people to park their money. Kind of forget about it. It's turnkey. They invest, let the trees grow. And then from there, they are able to see the profits and reap the rewards from it at the time of harvest. And for a really, really long time, timber ownership has been reserved for the top 1%, the ultra wealthy. And the reason for that is because typically investors are buying huge plots of land. And the 1%, they have the, the means to buy large plots of land. They have the two, three, four hundred million dollars to invest in one one farm or multiple farms across the region. But most of us as average investors don't necessarily have those sort of resources. And when I say average investors, I just mean people who don't have the two, three, four hundred million dollars. You're still savvy, you understand what you want to accomplish, but don't necessarily have those resources. So about eight years ago, what we ended up doing was surveying a parcel, a piece of our farm that we had already growing, Teak Farm in Panama. And at that point, it was really paired up with residency. But because it's just been doing, Teak has been doing so well, has been doing so well for centuries, we decided to offer it as more of an investment opportunity. So uh, we, we studied with the top 1%. We looked at their portfolio. That's always a smart thing to do is look to see what the ultra wealthy are doing to accomplish uh, wealth and to accomplish generational wealth stewardship and then just mirror that practice. It's, it doesn't have to be too difficult, but obviously finding the opportunities is a little bit more difficult. So we're excited to be able to offer smaller plots of land for entry pricing. Uh, a great point that you make too, is looking at what the ultra wealthy is doing, the 1% or the 1% of the 1% and kind of modeling and copy what they're doing. Uh, the teak is a luxury item, as you mentioned. So it's important to know where this fits in as well, because there's in any niche, there's different segments, right? So you're in the luxury um, category with, with within uh, Timberland. 
And you talk a little bit about how they invest and build generational wealth within this asset class. Can you share a little bit more about that too? Yes, absolutely. So when you own timber and specifically hardwood, it's about a 25-year harvest cycle. So from the time that you plant the sapling to the point you have the final harvest and, and harvest the logs and processes as lumber, it's about 25, 26 years. Now, for many of us, it's difficult to think in that 25-year term, especially if you're in real estate because you're used to that monthly rental check or you're used to, if you have a vacation rental, that weekly check that's coming in. This is very different because it's long-term generational wealth. So you're thinking not just for you, but for your future generations. And so when you think about it and you put that sort of hat on in that perspective, it's a little bit easier to conceptualize it. So the top 1% has done this. They understand that if they want to keep wealth in the family, it can't just be in stocks and bonds. It can't just be in one asset class. It has to be something that keeps continuing to grow and produce wealth over time. So Teak does exactly that. It is that 25-year harvest cycle. We do have various age farms. So newborns, 14 and 20-year-olds, soon to be 21. And then, of course, that big harvest at age 25. But the neat part about Teak as well is that you don't have to wait all 25 years to start to see something coming back to you. There are what we call thinnings at age 12, 18, and 20. So thinnings are planned. It's when we remove the trees that aren't growing properly. We sell those in the marketplace and then you as the owner would get those profits from that. So that's just a nice piece about it. But when you're really looking at this opportunity, think outside the box, think outside of your typical investing strategy, because you do want to have that diversification and asset class and time as well. And because it is such a long investment, uh, the nice part about it is that you own the land. So you do get a deed to it. You can pass it on however you would like. But once we harvest, then you commit to replanting and doing it again. And you commit to replanting and doing it again. And the big reason for that is because we are a certified reforested farm. So we are certified reforested through the forestry agency in Panama and then also in Nicaragua where we have another farm. And through there, you are committing to replanting but there are nice benefits for that. So you don't have any property tax and you don't have any income tax in Panama on your harvest yield. So it's nice. We're also giving back to mother nature as well. We're not just harvesting once and then walking away from the farm. We are continuing to replant and that's a great way to keep it in the family for generations. And so what we've seen is the youngest investor I think we had at the time he invested was about 20 years old and the oldest investor was about 93. And yeah, their, their philosophies about why they were investing was a little bit different. The 20 year old knew he'd see a few harvests come out and then 93 year old, he really did it for his grandkids. So he bought the, the parcels, deeded them in the name of their, his grandkids. And then from there, they have this asset in their portfolio that they didn't even have to think about. So it's a great strategy. It's a great way to think outside the box. But I do, I do encourage you to be patient throughout it. You, you kind of own it and then you forget that it's there and the management company takes care of it the rest of the time. MC Lobsher, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Absolutely. And this is something, as you mentioned, you know, that is previously exclusively done through family offices and foundations and large trusts and so forth that 
anyone can now participate in. Uh, so you don't have to be a Rockefeller to do what the Rockefellers do, <laughs> do right? Um, as I always say. And, and, and this, literally, as you mentioned, because you're replanting it, could be in the family for centuries, as long as it's there, right? And passed down and passed down. And as the world was melting down, you don't have to look at your smartphone to see if uh, if the wood's growing or not. It's true. You know, it's very, very true. And I think for a lot of people who are thinking about that generational wealth aspect, what's nice about it is that it does produce periodic income and then the big harvest at age 25. But let's say you're gifting this to a kid or grandkid who's not too responsible with their money. Well, they'll hold on to the farm, minimal ongoing cost. They'll hold on to the farm. They'll get this big harvest at age 25, but they haven't let's say they take that money and they go buy the newest Corvette or the newest Porsche or Bugatti or whatever they're buying. They're not destroying the investment where if you had stocks, for example, and your son or grandson, whoever you want this to be, took the money out from the stocks and bought something with it. That's it. You have no more stocks. But with the teak, you still own the land and you're committing to reforesting. So you wait another 25 years for the harvest, but you still own the land. And then you see that next bulk income come in. So it's nice from that perspective too, because even if you do have that irresponsible one in the family, Family, you don't necessarily lose out on the asset. Yeah, that's one thing that I've seen with these trusts and uh, especially how these families plan is that they know that there is going to be an heir at some stage, as you mentioned, that are into shiny stuff, right? Boats, houses, cars, and so forth. And there's plans in in these uh, family strategies that they know that it's, it's going to happen, but they also, by the way that they put everything together and structure it, know that when it does, it's not going to destroy everything. You know, it will be replenished in some way and it's not going to destroy the asset itself. So it's definitely thinking long term and long range. This is thinking very, very long term, thinking multi-generationals and um, generationally and also thinking you might be investing in something now that's been it's going to stick around for centuries in your family, right? Hopefully. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, the nice part about it, too, is that you just continue to replant and you are able. I know there's been questions about liquidity before you are able to sell it at any point. Uh, we have had a couple of resales of the older farm because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in life. And if you need the liquidity from it, you are able to do that. But, you know, if you go into it with that intention of holding on to it until harvest and then just continuing, it really is a very powerful strategy, a very powerful strategy. So a quick question for you. So when you look at this, um, we've spoken some of the positive things. Maybe there's a couple more that you want to add, but also, and you mentioned the liquidity side of it too. What are some of the, you know, the, I would say the pros and the cons of such an investment? So the pros is that the teak has been around for centuries. It's not something that was just formulated in a lab over a couple of days ago and the saw that it went up like wildfire and it was producing really well. Teak has been around for centuries. It was used uh, for some of the furniture in the Titanic as well. But even before that, it has been used in primarily luxury products. Because teak is resistant to fire rot, termite bugs, everything after age three, which carries over to the finished product as well, there's a lot of value to it. It's very durable. It's an oily wood. So it's resistant to that. And that adds a lot of value to it. So we've seen the history of teak. We understand how it's producing in the marketplace. We do know that it is a luxury product. It's used in Chris Craft boats. If we have any boaters who are listening, those are some very, very nice boats. Uh, but you'll find that it's finished with teak as well. 
but uh, I'd say that the understanding of the history behind it, there is a very significant history. It's proven to do very well in the market. It's also, like I mentioned, resistance of fire rot, termites, bugs. So anything that you, that you consider to be a risk when you own agriculture is essentially mitigated after age three with teak because it becomes resistant to that. Now, there are extra uh, precautions that are taken between age zero and three to get to that point, but you are able to have that peace of mind of knowing that it is essentially resistant to it after age three. Um, in addition to that, there is a residency program, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later, but you are able to obtain your residency in Panama through this investment. We'll go through those details in a little bit. I want to get through both the pros and cons here. So pros, so it's been proven in the marketplace for a while. There's real value to it. It's used in the luxury market, uh, and then it's resistant to what we consider a lot of risks to be. And then, of course, there is the residency program there. Some cons would be, uh, the risks, we'll say, would be if there is no teak market at the time that we are going to sell teak. Let's just say there's a crazy time happening in the world and there's no market for teak. Well, what we're able to do is just hold on to it. And the nice part is because it's not, let's say, an apple, for example, when apples are ready for harvest, they you know they are. They're bright, bright orange or bright red, bright green, and you pick them and then you sell them in the marketplace. But if there's no market for teak, then those apples rot and you don't ever sell them. With teak, if there's no market, the teak trees just literally continue to grow. So they never expire. And as they continue to grow, they're literally growing in value because they're growing in size. And when you sell teak, it's based on board feet. So the larger tree you have, the more board feet you have, the more that you're getting back. So there's a pro to that con, but that would be a risk to consider, especially if you know, you're looking at your finances and, and in year 2025, you are expecting this harvest to come in. Well, you know, maybe just be a little bit more flexible with it um, as we study the market and really understand what's going on in the, the sales of teak. That would be a, a con that would be there as well. Um, the other one that we do need to consider is theft. Uh, because the trees are so valuable, they they can be thieved or they can be stolen. And so we, of course, thought about that. We have a management team who's there on site. Um, but what we did really, and this is not too uncommon for agricultural and, and timber, is we have a bit of a buffer between the road and where the farm actually starts. And there are trees that are growing all wonky and all over the place. But teak is hard. Like I said, it's very hard. It's a hard wood. It's very durable. So in order to take the teak, you have to have the right materials, the right equipment for it. There are a couple of checkpoints in between Panama City and the Darien province, which is where we're located. Uh, and they really want to make sure that you're just logging legally. So if you're not logging legally or you're stealing the trees, then you get in a lot of trouble. So there are precautions, of course, that are in place, but those would be the two the two risks associated with ownership of, of teak. Now, you mentioned the residency program, and this is another thing I think that folks today are starting to realize too, the different types of risks that are out there. You know, a lot of folks know about economic risk. Um, they know about market risk. And in 2008, unfortunately, a lot of people found out about institutional risk. You know, you might have shorted the market, but your money was with Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns and you went down with the ship, basically, right? Um, another risk that is not often talked about is political risk. And this is something that's going to play itself out more and more globally. In order to manage or hedge political risk, it, it's also 
you know, wise to take the necessary steps and measures to do so to diversify yourself politically around the world, right? The residency program that comes along with this is, is something that's also very beneficial. Maybe you can share a little bit more about that too. Yes, absolutely. So there's a residency in Panama that when you invest $10,000 in land or a minimum of $10,000 in land, you're able to get your residency. It's a permanent residency in Panama. And and MC, I'm going to just take a step back to go back to what you said. And it is so unbelievably true is having options, I think is key in any in any healthy financial strategy and personal strategy as well. And we're seeing this now where people are kind of stuck where they are. And even if they wanted to go somewhere else, they wouldn't necessarily have those options because they don't have a residency in another country or a citizenship in another country. And we just look at this as a personal freedom, really achieving your personal freedom by having another residency or pan and, and wherever, Panama or Nicaragua or wherever in the world you choose to have it. And so uh, we did pair up this residency with the friendly, with the friendly nations visa, with ownership of Teak, and we re- that's why we really started this program back in 2013, when the president at the time, Martinelli, came up with the friendly nations visa, and one of the ways to get it was through land ownership valued at ten thousand dollars or more. So we paired the Teak plantation with it, and from there, people were able to get their permanent residency if they chose. Uh, I decided to do it in about 2015. I don't live in Panama. Maybe I'll live there one day. There are great places. Panama City is very cosmopolitan. Uh, There are places like Boquete, the tropical highlands, where it's cooler in climate and more of a mountain setting. There are beach locations, Boca del Toro in the Caribbean and Coronado on the Pacific. Really great places if you want to live or spend time there. But even if you don't, it's just so powerful to have a plan B, to have options in your back pocket. And through this residency program, you don't have to live there. A lot of residencies do require that you spend at least six months out of the country, out of the year in that country. That's not the case with this one. This one, you can come and go as you please. You get a permanent residency card and you're set. Now, you do need to make a couple trips down to Panama in person. They want to see that you are who you say you are. You walk out with a temporary residency card on the first trip. And the second trip, you get your permanent residency. We have a whole big document that describes what that process looks like, what sort of documents you need. But you are able to pair up that Friendly Nations visa with this TEAT program, which I think is a, a very important aspect to it. And, you know, let's say you're not sure if you want to do residency at this point. You're still weighing your options. As long as you own the TEAT at any point down the line, you can come back and say, all right, I want to start the residency process. So it is just that easy. You just let us know, get you set up with the residency coordinator, and then you are set. So uh, to package that for folks, so an investment in Teak start what uh, at around fifteen thousand dollars. We have well, we have a couple of different options. The newborn parcels start at about sixty nine hundred. We have a fourteen year old Teak, which is about sixteen thousand, and then we have twenty year old Teak, which is about twenty four thousand. Uh, and then the residency packages are about $4,700 for the primary applicant. And then the neat part is you're able to add dependents. So it's your, it could be your spouse, it could be your parents, or it could be your children up to 18 or 18 to 25 if they're enrolled in college. And that's about $1,900. So it's pretty affordable to get the residency for the family or for you or whoever you want to get it for. Uh, we have had some families that have thought pretty creatively where it was, I'm going to start at the top, the grandpa who wanted the residency. So he had his son be the primary applicant. He was able to get residency through his son. And then his grandchildren were able to get residency because the dad or his his son was the, the primary applicant. So there are very flexible ways to do it, but it's easy. It's something you just put in your back pocket. Um, and one point I do want to quickly make about the, the the ages and the costs is that I know some people listen to the podcast and the show after the TEAK has increased in prices. 
when the, when the, when the teak, you know, the teak grow every year it has a birthday. So every year we get close to age 25, the teak increases in value because it's increased in size. It's larger. There's more board feet at that time. So if you're listening to this after what is, what is today's date here? It is May 12th. 2020. 2020. Yeah. So if you're listening in 2022, the teak is two years older, so it's going to be more expensive. So I do just want to bear that in you to bear that in mind because we have had a couple people reach out uh, in the meantime and, and just, you know, didn't realize that the podcast was a couple years old. So I did just want to mention that point there. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. No, absolutely. I think, and the point here is that when people think foreign investment, agriculture, teak, timberland, they hear a foreign residency, you think hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's, my, you know, my initial response to it would be, well, I know of some pro- programs, but it's a lot of money. The point, I think the point here is that there are options if you're interested, uh, interested to pursue it that are not hundreds and thousands of dollars. Um, and then there's, um, again, back to our philosophy is you don't have to be the Rockefellers to do what they do. You could do what they do on a smaller scale and take smaller steps. And before you know it, over the course of a couple of years, just by doing and modeling what successful families do, it's incredible to see what you will be able to achieve. And of course, this is just one part of an overall strategy that we that we always talk about. Um, let's stick with the, uh, the foreign investment. One of the things that you're in as well, and I know your family, are, they're real estate investors too, I believe your grandfather too. So uh, you love real estate and, and there's some foreign real estate in the island of Belize that you guys are involved with too in developments there. Um, that is also another option for folks if you uh, want to talk about that a little bit and maybe share a little bit about that program. Yes, absolutely. So where we're located and where I call home is Ambergris Key. It's one of the biggest keys or islands off of Belize mainland. And it is the top location for tourists in the country. And one of the big reasons for that is because it parallels the reef. It's the largest living reef in the world, but the second largest reef after the barrier reef in Australia. And so we've seen a lot of people coming for that entertainment from diving and fishing and snorkeling, the water entertainment. But there's also a lot going on on the island as well. And it's one of those places where you kick off your shoes, you walk in the sand, you have your tank top on and your shorts and you have the sunshine and the palm trees swaying. And it's just really, really relaxed. People are waving to you as you're walking by something you don't really get anymore in the States, but there's this real community there for tourists and expats and locals alike. And you're encouraged to walk around the town and try the local restaurants and go to where the locals go. And there's this really great combination of people who exist there. So a lot of people like to come to Ambergris because you do have that tropical setting, the colorful, colorful, vibrant houses, people who are just so happy all the time. And and that's typically why people come to Ambergris Key and continue to return. So we've been on Ambergris Key as developers since 1998, when we first picked up a, a resort there, which we have since demolished, 
uh, and made space for the Belize Marriott. But what I wanted to talk to you about was an opportunity that's a couple of blocks off beach with the uh, Grand Bayman. It's a Best Western Hotel. It just got it just got branded recently as a Best Western. And this is really for those entry-level investors who want to park their assets internationally, but don't necessarily have that two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars to put for a beachfront property. We're only five minute walk from the beach, but real estate in the Grand Bayman Gardens as a Best Western branded property start under a hundred thousand dollars with fifty percent financing available. So it's a great way for people to consider looking overseas. Uh, Belize is a place where we have a lot of international uh, real estate investors coming because English is the official language. It's so close to North America. There is is increasing tourism levels all the time and so it's just a safe place where you can put your money in the nice places it's, it's nice because you can also come down and visit every now and again if you choose to but from an investment perspective working with a hotel brand is probably one of the best and wisest decisions you can make because they're the brands build their company and their revenue based on putting heads on beds where a lot of these mom and pop developers, you know, that they maybe are doing this as a hobby or maybe they've seen that they can make a ton of money doing this. So they just decide randomly that they want to start a project. And so they don't really have that sort of experience. The best Western is the seventh largest hotel brand in the world, seventh largest hotel brand in the world. So you're not only attracting North Americans and people who are best Western point holders, but you're also attracting more of an international group. There's also another Best Western in Belize City, so there'll be some nice partnerships going on there. But I do encourage you to reach out cfn at ecidevelopment.com, cfn as in Cashflow Ninja at ecidevelopment.com, and we'll gladly tell you more about it. But I would really recommend it for anybody who's looking for international cash flow, diversifying internationally, and of course, getting that experience of, of working with a brand, of partnering with a brand whose only job is to put heads on beds and to make sure that they are filling rental quotas. So do bear that in mind of $100,000, which I think is really a unique price point, especially on Ambergris Key, where typically you find real estate there starting at least in the 200s. So this is a play where folks would buy an, an international property, which then is managed and then rented on their behalf by the property manager for them. And then they would get to obviously collect rents and, and uh, get some cash flow that way. Yeah, exactly. And it is fully tied. So you do get a deed to it. It's not a fractional ownership. Um, it's not you investing in a share in a company. It's actually yours. You get titled to it. You know, if down the line you decide that you want to retire to Belize and that's where you want to be, you can always take it out of the rental program. But if you're looking for cash flow now, and if you're looking for a, a safe place to do it, this would be a great opportunity for folks. So it's not a timeshare. You own the own the property, and then it's managed on your behalf through the and rented out, and that's how you generate some international cash flow. Another thing too, there's a lot more direct flights from North America. Obviously, things are going to change a little bit, but even like close in out of Philadelphia, I believe there was a direct flight to to Belize. So. It's definitely some a place that's on the map. It is. And, you know, I think this whole pandemic is just crazy overall, but uh, we are tracking it, seeing when flights are starting to come back down to Belize. And I think that it'll, it'll it's definitely going to revive itself. There's there's no question about that. And with the opportunities that we have, the building's a pre-construction opportunity. So ready by mid mid next year, just in time for the market to, to come back. But again, it's yours. You have title to it and 
think that's also a nice benefit that a lot of people like is knowing they have the physical title versus the fractional or timeshare. Absolutely. What was your experience flying? Because you just flew during this time now. What what <laughs> what was yeah. that like? Yeah, and- you know, I don't tell many people. So if you're listening, don't go sharing that I'm uh, I'm flying around. But um, you know, it was it was really unbelievable. So Belize has closed its borders uh, indefinitely, and that's just a way for them to try to mitigate the incoming cases. But the U.S. Embassy put together a flight for U.S. and Canadian citizens. They call it the repatriation flight. So the Belize City Airport, we were the only flight leaving that day. So they had to bring in staff specifically for this flight inside the airport. And I can show you pictures. It was crazy. Inside the International Airport in Belize, there were tape tape X's on the seats and they were socially distanced. So those were that you could sit in. You couldn't sit in the seats that didn't have the X's on it. But uh, the plane was really actually quite full, but we were required to wear masks. And then I landed in Houston. Houston, I had a layover and ended up just staying at the airport hotel there at the Marriott. And it was so quiet. I mean, I hate to say it was one of my best travel experiences in a sense because there weren't people all over the place. It was quiet. There were a couple of restaurants open. Um, but you know, I usually when I get to a hotel, I like to work out or something just to stay up. So of course, the gym is closed, right? The gym is closed, the pool is closed, uh, did some, some exercise in the room instead. But you know, it just kind of made me realize that, oh, and then there was no room service. And you can only go to the restaurant in the Marriott and wait for them to take out. So it definitely was a different experience. And then the flight to New York ended up uh, being minimal people on it. But it was more or less smooth. But it was very, it's very, very different because everybody has their masks on. Uh, they're not, you know, talking to each other like they were before. I know when I'd be in line, you know, waiting to drop off my bag or something, you'd have a conversation with the person. Or if you're sitting on the plane, then you're just kind of talking to the person next to you as you're putting your stuff away and, and getting prepared for the flight. But it was very much like this. So it's a bit scary. I, I do believe that it will get better over time. Um, but there will be new precautions in place and maybe wearing a mask will be the new normal. I don't know, but it was definitely an, an interesting experience. Yeah, absolutely. Rachel, this is always a lot of fun uh, speaking with you. Where can folks learn more about you? Where can they follow you and where can they stay informed of all of these projects and reach out to you guys if interested? Yes, I would say the best way to get in touch with us is just email us ninja at ECI development. We do like to know where you heard about us from because we do offer special discounts to the Cashflow Ninja listeners. So even if you just browse our website for a little bit beforehand and don't email at us, just let us know how you heard about us so we can make sure we pass those discounts along to you. But that would be the best way. I said send an email. Otherwise, our parent company is ECI Development. We do development all throughout Latin America. And today we talked about the Teak opportunities and then the Best Western opportunities on Amber Gris Key. So we look forward to hearing from you and uh, answering any questions that may be on your mind. Absolutely. And on our newly uh, launched website, there's also some information on there, cashflowninja.com forward slash Teak. And then also cashflowninja.com forward slash Belize um, with some more information on there too. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for joining us again on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners and viewers. All right. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. Thank you, MC. This was fantastic. Looking forward to hearing from everybody and have a really great day.
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.